end this series and begin this last teaching with a prayer. But before we do that, Craig, you won't have this. I just decided to do this. I want to read, I just want to read, I want to start with Paul's prayer at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come, God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for what? It's not a for what. It's for whom? For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Fathers, we enter into this. We just invite once again your love. We declare Jesus, your authority that we just read about over everything. Not just here on earth, but in heaven. But I want to add, not just in heaven, but here on earth. And so, we submit ourselves then to you, God. We consecrate this series, this teaching to your kingdom. Make it useful and make us strong in the Lord and in his mighty power that he wields for us. It's incomparably great power. It is like the power exerted to raise Jesus back to life. It is for the church. So we give this to you, God. And I pray we leave somehow, God, your spirit come, and we leave this series ready. Ready with those, with our feet strapped with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Make us ready. Fill each one in here with the feeling of readiness because of Jesus and in his name, the name that we invoke. And it's in that name we pray. Amen. So uh, I want to read where I planned on starting is where we finished last week, this text in Ephesians 6 that Paul, we, we've been in a lot of scriptures throughout the Bible in this short series, but it's like Paul 
consolidates everything that we've talked about. It's all right here. And so I want to just read it to you again in Ephesians 6, starting verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. It's not against them out there. It's not against the other political party. It's against authorities, against powers of this dark world. It's against the rulers and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Four times, use this word, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Remember the word here is Rima, the, the, the spoken word of God. We don't think of Bible when we read the word in the word. We think of the word Bible when it says scripture. There's a word for the scripture. There's other words for the word word that are translated word. This is the word rima, and it's the, the utterance of God, the, the words of God. We arm ourselves with his words. And he sums up by saying, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. What kinds, what various kinds of prayers do you pray? Do you, do you pray all of them? With this in mind, be alert. With what in mind? What are we talking about? This struggle that's not against flesh and blood, but against this other class of characters that Scripture clearly teaches. Forces. Powers. Rulers. Authorities. I don't like it either, but... But if it's true, I want to know it. So be alert with this in mind and always keep on praying for all the saints. So just by way of review, there's just so much to say that I am not saying in this short four-week series, but I'm just trusting that God's given us enough in this series. That's been my prayer and my hope to engage in a category of spiritual life that we have either been ignorant of or just neglected or just wish wasn't true and so according to scripture we live in a very populated universe it's not flesh and blood so it's not people that we're talking about but it's not God either our struggle is not against flesh and blood but it's not against God it's something else some other class of being rulers authorities powers forces is what it calls it here from the beginning of the bible story representing that serpent that was a character on the stage there was mankind there was god 
There was a serpent all the way to the end, represented by the dragon and his angels. And everywhere that I've shown you in between, we live in a very populated universe. I remember I, I, did, a, I did a sermon on this years ago, and I went back and reread it, and I had this Tim Keller thought. He said there's a lot of people that think that, you know, Christians or whoever that says that there's a devil and there's spiritual beings and, you know, and that we're being attacked and that it's just a medieval simplistic way of viewing the world. And he challenged that by saying, if you are one of those that believes everything is explained by only what you can see, like in science and uh, psychology maybe and, and uh, medicine and, you know, just only what you can see, right? Maybe you're the simple one. Maybe you're the simple thinker. Regardless, we believe in Scripture, and Scripture, you don't believe in Scripture unless you believe. We live in a populated universe, and that there is a war going on. It's right, I think, to see Jesus as a peacemaker, and he blesses peacemakers, and, and he's a pacifist by nature. That's right for us to see Jesus as that. The Bible's pretty clear. The, the, the scene in the temple where he turns the tables notwithstanding. This is his, he's a, he's, a, he's a God of peace as Jesus reveals him. We're called to be people of peace. We're called to even love our enemies, okay? But that's people. In this spiritual element that we see throughout scripture, not so. It is all warfare language. It is all battle. It is all fight. There's a war going on. And we've learned we are being attacked. We're not after... This, this series on spiritual warfare is not a series on spiritual warfare. <laughs> really? It's, it's not that we're after that. We're not trying to be about that. We're after what Jesus came to give us. He said in John 10.10, 10, Life, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. That's what we're about. It just so happens that as we pursue that, there's opposition. We didn't choose this, but there it is. It's in that same verse where it says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We didn't want this fight, but it is ours nonetheless. And so the the real take home that I have for you in this, and I've said it every week, is that you have a role to play in that. And we see all this right here. He says, our struggle is not again not the good angel struggle against the rebellious angels our struggle it's ours why would he give us armor to put on if we are not called to have a role to play in this fight it's our struggle why would we need a shield and you do you need a shield you need your faith why because And I love the Lord of the Rings imagery here. Because of all the flaming darts and arrows of the enemy, we can extinguish those. We're being attacked. It's right here. It's it's elsewhere in Scripture, but it's like Paul packs it all. He summarized this whole series for me right here. In verse 11, we, we know he's scheming. The devil has schemes. We talked about him last week. He lies. He wants us to believe distortions of the truth. He falsely accuses. He wants you to live, and many of you 
do, and I fight against this with you, sometimes against you, for you, in my office, as you live under, you're just sure, a spirit of condemnation that you deserve. Who told you that? It's not God. It's not the gospel. He falsely accuses, and he hides he disguises himself. Remember he masquerades as an angel of light. An angel, that's the word for messenger. He's a messenger of light. It started that way in the garden. He came in with some truth. Don't you want to be like God? And they're like, well, yeah. They already were. It's the one thing we know about them in Genesis is that they are made in the image of God. And Satan comes on, wouldn't you like to be like God? Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's sneaky. Just brings in just enough truth as you can be if you just do what he says not to do. Okay. He hides. He doesn't want to be identified. If he can get you to not acknowledge him, and boy, it's a party in hell if they can get Christians to not believe in him. Perfect camouflage, total stealth mode. And we know his strategies, his schemes have an aim and it's to steal and kill and destroy. What? To, what? Your joy, your peace, your life, the thing Jesus came to give you. And so I gave you one verse um, to encapsulate what I've been trying to teach you from various angles. The one verse I hope's underlined in your Bible, marked in your margin, titled, how we fight. One verse that kind of concisely says what Scripture in unity says is your role to play, because that's the takeaway here. I want you to play your role. You don't have to know everything about it. You, just like you learn to pray by praying, Scripture gets you started in prayer, but you learn to pray by praying. You learn to engage in spiritual warfare by engaging in spiritual warfare. Scripture teaches us to not sit idly by and let the enemy have his way with us. That, again, that's what happened in the garden. Adam's sin was his inappropriate passivity. He let this thing come in and challenge what God clearly told him to do. And he sat there. And he did nothing. If he just grabbed that snake, threw it down, crushed his head, like he was supposed to, he ruled. He and she. This own, the, the one thing we know about Adam and Eve is that they were made in the image of God. The one commission we know that they had was to rule. This is your domain, he said. This earth. Rule. That serpent that we find out later, Satan, the devil, has no power without the rulers granting it. And they did. And they did. So you get, you get to play the role that they didn't play. You get to play it. And I gave you that one verse, and it's right here. James 4, 7 and 8, where it says, just as simply as I could put it, I'll let James do it. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you. And so in this series, I've been primarily focusing you on this middle one, how to resist. And I've shown you in the example of Jesus, in the example of Paul, in other scriptures, how to add, the simple call is to add a warfare prayer based on that, how they did it to your prayers. But first, I just want to point out, I want to just focus on how fantastic this promise is here. It, is this not incredible? This is why I told you, if, if at any time in this series, you got scared by us pulling the veil on this invisible class of characters on the stage, that I was doing you a disservice and I was misrepresenting scripture. It's not bad news. It is not scary for us. It's scary for them. They're the ones threatened by this. We don't need to be. We don't need to be. And so I've been focusing on this middle one because I feel like this is the one and I might be reading my autobiography into you, that we have neglected the most. Learning how to actively resist. And it is active. It's like, remember, resistance sometimes sounds a little passive. Like, yeah, stop it. You don't, don't do that. No, it's like joining the resistance in Star Wars. If you join the resistance, you're joining an army and you're fighting against evil. That's the, that's the nature of the Greek word. It is active opposition against the devil. And so that is spectacular. And I've been calling you to that, just to get started, the warfare prayer based on the example of Jesus, Jesus in Mark one twenty five, based on the example of Paul in Acts 16.18. There's more, but those are the two anchors I gave you. Being careful to ground this in the text for us. We're not making this up. Something to the effect of, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command any principality, any authority, any force, any ruler, any power of this dark world away in the name of Jesus Christ. I bring the crucifixion, I bring Jesus, I bring his blood to bear against any lying spirit, any lie that I've made an agreement with. And I break it. Something like that. It's odd when you haven't prayed like that. But it's not because it's not biblical. It's just simply because you haven't prayed like that. Who wins? Who wins when we don't pray like that? Who wins when we do not exert the authority that Jesus won back for us. Do we still want to go the way of Adam? Inappropriately passive? So this is also summarized in this passage, and I just love this, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. And request. This is why I've been presenting it. I want you to add, I've just been calling it a spiritual warfare prayer. That kind of prayer. Add that to your prayers. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. There's a lot of always and all going on here. 
This is supposed to be a permanent fixture in our walk with Christ. I had many of you ask me, a little pause here, I had many of you ask me for copies of the warfare prayer that I've been praying over Jeremy, one that I wrote to him, that with what he is struggling with, Jeremy Hunter, our brother. And I wanted to give you a, I, I sent that to those of you who asked for that, but I wanted to give you a better resource, like my resource for some of these prayers and how to pray like this. So over sabbatical, you know, I've been, I was on sabbatical before this series. I spent a lot of time in this. This is new for me too. And getting up here to teach, it just adds an element of accountability that I wanted to be more informed by people ahead of me in this. And Ephesians is a great book to read over and over as well, looking for what to know about this subject. But I, I did a bunch of those. I told you some of these, Seeing the Unseen by Joe Beam is an excellent book. I read three decades ago, but I reread it. It's a biblical look at this subject from someone in our tribe. It speaks our language, so if you're interested in that. Another one is The Handbook for Spiritual Warfare by Dr. Ed Murphy. I use that kind of as a catalog, a reference for a bunch of this. And I'm just telling you this so that if you, because I'm hoping some of you dive deeper into this, deeper than I've gone and that I know, and you become masters at this and be a part of this body forever, calling us to it, doing it on our behalf, showing us how to do it when it's needed, becoming aware because you've become so alert. Mm, I recognize this. You know when it is. I got both those books from John O'Blackwell who did a series, a class on this. He gave me all his notes. That's another series. I'm sure he would share those, another resource. I got a couple of books from uh, from Solwell, when I went to Solwell, from Kelly, that I read as well. And just, again, I just want to put my little vote of confidence in, in that three-part retreat, if you're interested in just a great, it's not about spiritual warfare. It's involved, of course, because it's a category, but it's about the kingdom and you learning to grow in the kingdom in your soul. But probably the guy that got me started on this in the, finally, the eye-opening way, and I started searching it, is John Eldridge. John Eldridge, about two decades ago, maybe 25 years ago, he's, he's most famous now for his book, Wild at Heart. And so uh, he has coached me a lot in this arena in a real practical way for me that was palatable to get started. And I'm so grateful to him. Well, he has a, an app. I have it on my phone. It's right here. It's called Wild at Heart. If you search Wild at Heart, you download that. It's free. You'll see a list of resources. One of them is prayers. Go to that, and you will find all kinds of prayers. Remember how Ephesians says to pray? Pray with all kinds of prayers. He has all kinds of prayers, including warfare prayers full of all the Bible verses that I've utilized throughout this series, all there in a prayer that could coach you in this. And so that's better than the prayer I did for Jeremy. It's more comprehensive, I should say. I shouldn't say better. It's more educational. So the last thing I want to do here as we finish this series, but hopefully never, ever neglect this subject, we never finish this, putting this into practice, is the first part of James' statement. So we've spent most of our time here because we feel like, but there are two moves that we need to make if we want this fruit. Two moves. And I've read this to you, and I feel like most of our sermon series and Bible classes are about this. How do we do this better? 
How do we become more like Christ? And, but we need to hear it in the context of warfare. This first move is so important because get, get the warfare prayer, and I don't think it has to be exactly the way Paul said it or Jesus said it, or they would have said exactly the same thing. It has to be in the name of Jesus, you know, with authority. But these aren't magic words. Get the words exactly right. They're not magic words. The words are just words. Unless you are connected to the one who gives you the authority. That's this first move. You must be submitted then yourself to God. We know what Jesus says in that famous vine and the branches verse. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so this first move is so important. You can't just skip to the words and expect them to carry the authority. What happens if you do? What happens if you skip the first step and you don't worry about where you're at and your relationship with God, with your thoughts and how they're aligned with God, your, your emotions, your, 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 your resentments, whatever they are. If you don't worry about that, you just jump right to the words and you just try to use the words to speak to this class of characters that's attacking you or your loved ones. We don't have to guess. We've got a verse for it. It's in Acts chapter 19. Remember in Acts 16, we have the example of Paul speaking in the name of Jesus against a foul spirit, commanding it away, and it goes away. Just like Jesus did, Acts 16, this is Acts 19. Luke tells us about some Jews that I'm presuming saw Paul do this, or at least heard him teach about it. Because here's what happens. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, very much what I'm telling you to say, they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. So these are seven sons of Sceva. I had some crazy ideas. I never thought to name my son Sceva. Sceva was a Jewish chief priest. These are his sons. And they're trying to cast out a demon the way they've heard Paul teach or do it. So one day, they're doing this. The evil spirit answered them. Nope. Jesus, I know. And I know about Paul. But who are you? Then he kicked their tails. He beat them up. They left bloody and naked. I don't mean to laugh, but my takeaway here is that they had heard the method of Jesus and perhaps Paul confront evil spirits successfully. And they wanted that. They wanted that fruit. So they tried the magic words. It didn't work. I, I just, when I found this text, I go, this is perfect for what I'm about to teach. I, but why? I got to wrestle with this now. Right, class? Got to wrestle. Why? Why didn't it work for them? Why would I expect it to work for me? 
if it didn't work for them. All I can know, all I could put together here in wrestling with this is Luke, many times he's reporting on stories. And when he mentions Jewish Christians, he says they're Jewish Christians. These are Jews. These are Jews that have seen the work of these Christians and they want that. But they have not yet submitted themselves to God through Jesus Christ. That, I believe, is my answer. And it's confirmed by other, all these other texts we've looked at. It is our connection to Jesus. It is our submission to God and his kingdom that fills us with the authority. Adam had it. He had it. He had unbroken relationship, full submission to God until he permitted himself to fall out from under submission. That's when the enemy has license. That's when the enemy gets to influence. And so our authority is restored when we have submitted ourselves to the source of that authority, and that's God. So while I've spent most of our time in the series presenting to you, I've tried to make this clear, that spiritual warfare is a thing. It's real. It's a thing. It's a Bible-supported, legitimate category of the spiritual life that, if neglected, leaves us confused at a minimum by some of the things we're experiencing Because we are neglecting a whole category that Scripture gives to us that Jesus paid for us to have authority in and we're not utilizing it. And so we utilize everything else we know to do. We try confession to try to get out of our dark cloud that we're under. We try wise counsel from from our small group or from a professional Christian counselor even, which is needed. Both of these are needed. Sometimes we wonder if our feeling is, is physical. Maybe we're out of kilter, so I need some drug intervention. I think that is needed sometimes. We're physical beings as well. But if none of that works and we deal with it for 20 years, could we consider that maybe there's something we haven't discovered or considered yet? And let's just do what Paul said to do. Just pray with all types of prayers all the time for all the saints in every circumstance just to cover our bases. And see what kind of fruit we get. Because when it's warfare, not everything's warfare. But when it's warfare, this is the fruit you'll get. Got to learn how to do this. But we cannot skip this. Let me try to explain it this way. When you align yourself with God, you're clearing stuff out that might give the enemy standing with you. When you have unsurrendered areas, unsurrendered to God areas of your life that you're just not wanting to deal with, it stands a reason that like Adam and Eve, you're giving the enemy rights to influence your thinking or feelings, perhaps even physical well-being. We have some examples of physical consequences to the enemy, his influence so let me use this to kind of ground this idea in Scripture. You've, you've heard this Scripture. It's also in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. It says, In your anger, do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. When I have preached this or heard this preached, it's about anger usually. We're focusing on that first part. We're, we're, we, it's in marriage series a lot. Don't go to bed angry. Work it out. But I want to focus on the reason for this series. The reason we don't go to bed angry is shocking. It's because when you do, you are giving the devil a foothold. You are giving something. Giving anything to the devil doesn't sound wise to me. But giving him a foothold? What's a foothold, I ask this text? I looked it up. A foothold is a place where a person's foot can be lodged to support them securely, especially when climbing or ascending. It's a secure position from which further progress can be made. Do you want to give the devil a secure position from which further progress can be made? Don't go to bed with unsurrendered anger. Or your gift, just like Adam, you're giving it to him. You're giving him standing. And then I ask, where is this foothold? That's what a foothold is. I don't want to give. Where is this foothold? Well, where's my anger? It's in me. I am giving some evil principality or authority or power or devil standing a place to put their foot in order to make further progress in me? Wait, I'm a Christian. I have the Holy Spirit. That can't happen. This book is written to Christians. I don't think they can touch my salvation, but can they torment me? I don't have to go anywhere but last week to say yes to that. Crazy things that torment me that I don't have an explanation for usually without this. So, it doesn't have to be just anger either. You read the rest of this text, you find bitterness there and unforgiveness, huge one. Lies, secrets, any form of malice, footholds. You're Adam. In your domain, where you have authority, where you rule, saying, Let me give you influence over my rule. So, three areas that, based on all this, that I want to arm you to examine yourself with when you enter into warfare. Three areas. There's more. Sin. It's an obvious one. But it's an important one. Sometimes surrendering to God is about repenting of sin. Lies, agreements with lies. Sometimes surrendering to God is about breaking agreements you've made that are not true. Wounds. 
Sometimes surrendering to God is healing from painful past experiences or relationships. And most past experiences are from relationships. So identifying those and bringing the crucifixion and the blood of Christ against those and breaking these things and surrendering, submitting ourselves then to God. It's a whole three-week series I need to do. I'm going to have to finish. That's why I told Doyle, I'm like, I'm finishing with an outline for a whole three-week series I need to do with appropriate stories and scriptures just to unpack these things. So I'm trusting that for those of you who have ears to hear and that need these things, that you will just know we are with you. We are for you. We want to help with this. And more important than that, God is with you. God is for you. The authority that was broken in the garden by Adam's inappropriate passivity, Jesus, remember, he came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? That broken authority that brought death. He won that back. He says it in our great commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's one of the things that was finished. It's been given to me. Therefore, go. Go. By whose authority? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And his resulting commission is to us to go. You can go now. And you walk like this. Like Adam should have. Because what was lost, he came to seek and save it. And that's finished. We have that authority back. So I'm trusting that those of you who need work in some of these areas, Soulwell, by the way, is a great place to do work in all of these areas. But I'm asking all of you, all of you, to stand your ground to take your stand, to submit yourself therefore to God and to resist the devil and let this church be this light on the hill that we're supposed to be. That's a big, big prayer of John Eldridge's in this spiritual warfare. He says, let there be light. Let there be light. Our elders and our ministers are gonna move around the room and I just wanna finish by saying this. The call of this series is that you will arise as a soldier of Christ. Like we just sang. That's this middle part. But from a place of surrender and closeness to God, that's this part. So let's stand and let's call out to God for that. Come if you need anything.